Welcome to this Never A Truer Word podcast. The content in this podcast was originally a YouTube live event, which means that you can't interact live, but I'd love your comments on social media or right here if that's possible for you on this platform. And we're looking at the words of Ian Bailey and Jules Thomas. The video was recorded a week after Ian Bailey died. Welcome to Never a Truer Word, where we look at the words that people choose to use to see if they're telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So we are talking about Ian Bailey and Jules Thomas. I didn't think I'd be returning to them so quickly, but Ian Bailey went and died last week as we record this. Um, And the last time I looked at them, it was uh, some statements that they made just before the end of last year. Um, and there is a cold case review going on. So the story so far, obviously, Sophie Toscan Duplantier was killed in West Cork in Ireland at Christmas time, 1996. And Ian Bailey arrived as the chief suspect, suspected by the police, suspected by many local people. And after some documentaries about uh, the, the story, suspected by people all around the world of murdering Sophie Toscan Duplantier. But, although interviewed by the police, never ever charged in Ireland. There's never been a trial about the death of Sophie, which is a crying shame. Her family have never had any answers as to what happened to her. And it was a horrible and brutal death. So uh, last year, uh, there was a cold case review going on into the murder of Sophie Toscan de Plantier. And I analyzed the statements of Ian Bailey and Jules Thomas. They were talking about that. And I noticed a bit of a change in some of the things they were saying. These guys have been fairly consistent in how they've dealt with this since 1996, 97, when uh, Ian first became uh, in the frame. Um, I'm not saying they've always said the same things all the way through, just the way they've dealt with it has always been fairly consistent. And I noticed a change with this cold case review going on. Both of them really couldn't understand or or were worried that they hadn't heard anything from the police um, about this at all. I thought they were getting very worried. I thought they thought that things were closing in on them. I said in Ian Bailey's uh, last statements that I looked at, it was as if he was trapped. So we saw that change coming. And then uh, last Sunday, as we record this, Ian Bailey died. And that, I think, has changed a hell of a lot, as we'll see. So we're going to look at the words of uh, of Jules Thomas's ex-partner. She spoke to the press very, very shortly, I think just a matter of a couple of hours after the death of Ian Bailey was announced. And um, then we're going to look at what I think was Ian Bailey's last interview. He gave it a week before he died. Any more changes in them? Anything we can get from their language? We are going to look and see what they said and analyze their words and why they chose to phrase things the way they did, why they they used the specific words that they did to see if we can get a bit more towards the truth of what is going on inside their heads. As always, this isn't just about trying to solve a murder or anything like that. I want you to go away from these videos, uh, just learning a little bit about how to look at the words all around you so you can understand if deception is happening in your day-to-day life. So what to watch for when we go through these uh, two statements that we're going to look at. Watch out for someone being general rather than specific. Sometimes we can listen to someone and think they're being really emphatic and really specific and talking about a certain situation. But when we look at the words they use, actually they're talking in generalities. So watch out for that, particularly with Jules and the words that we're going to look at. Watch for the truth leaking out. 
Um, now, that's not necessarily the truth, as in we're going to uncover exactly what happened in this murder. But lying, deceiving, it's really, really hard. And when people try and do that, when people try and give one impression or one set of events, quite often that you'll be able to analyze their words and see the truth leaking out, even though they are trying to deceive you. And another interesting thing to watch for in these is repeated concepts or phrases. Things that we repeat often, sometimes these are the things that are high priority in our mind, you know, the kind of the big thoughts in our heads, and we'll talk about them lots, and we'll use words from that priority quite a lot when we talk. Um, sometimes, if we're being deceptive, then we'll say the deceptive thing more often than we would say a truthful thing. Why? Because we don't believe our lie is strong enough, our, our deception is strong enough. So we'll repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, in the hope that people really get it, in the hope that people hear it, and in the hope that it gets believed. So watch out for those things, people being general rather than specific. Watch for the truth leaking out in the words, and watch out for repeated concepts or phrases. As you're watching this, if you hit the subscribe button, then that means that you will get more like this as and when it happens. If you press the like button, that really helps a lot get this to, to more people so they can see what is going on inside the heads of, of Jules Thomas and uh, what was going on inside the head um, of Ian Bailey. And your comments or, or your um, contributions in the chat always really, really appreciated as well. And again, if you know someone who would like this, who would appreciate this content, then why not press the share button as well? That would all really help. So let's start with Jules. Uh, and this is an interview she gave, like I said, I think, I think about two hours after Ian Bailey died. So let's look at what she said and break it down word by word. The first quote I've taken here, Jules said, I feel nothing. I've had no emotional connection with him for quite a long time. Now, the reason I pulled this out is this is really straightforward, and this is very, very simple wording from Jules. Look, it's really clear what she's talking about here. She, she says uh, who she's talking about. She's talking from her own point of view. I feel nothing. I've had no emotional connection. So she's talking about herself, and she's owning what she's saying by joining the word I to what she's saying. And it's really obvious who she's talking about. She's talking about him, which is Ian Bailey. Him maybe slightly more distant than Ian, but she does call him Ian a little bit later on. But it's really clear who's talking, what she's talking about, her own personal feelings, and who she's talking about. And it's really clear what she's talking about as well. It's really straightforward. I feel nothing. Really simple. I have no emotional connection. Really simple. Uh, and that has been for a long time. So she's really, really simple and clear here from Jules. And trust me, what we're going to look at next is less simple and clear than that is. But this, very, very simple, very clear words from Jules. She can use them. She can tell us the truth I, that when she wants to. The only thing I would say is she qualifies it. She says it was quite a long time, not a long time, just quite a long time. So there's a qualifier in there from Jules. Okay, next set of words. She says, I felt it was the end of the chapter when I left him. Really, that was the end of it. Once a woman makes up her mind, that's it. You've had enough, and I'd had enough of Ian before we ever parted. So I hope you can see there she does call him Ian, so that suggests not a closeness, but, you know, um, there is something there where she's treating him like a real live human being with a name. But what else do we have there? Repeated concepts. I felt it was the end. That was the end. 
and that's it. There's a real sense of finality in her words there. Uh, the end, the end, that's it. So she, I think, is hoping that with Ian dying, that is the end. That's it. That you know, she she left him and it didn't really finish for her, did it? Or or they split up actually. She kicked him out to be fair. And it really didn't finish. And I hope I think here she's wanting to draw a line under it. It's the end, the end, that's it. Now talking to the press isn't mandatory you do not have to talk to the press and i i was surprised she spoke to the press so soon after ian died she spent what 20 plus 25 years with him big part of her life obviously you know um, affected her life a hell of a lot she did not have to talk to the press and it really would have been understandable if she didn't talk to the press you know she's under no obligation she we have, have no right to hear from her or anything like that so why did she talk to the press i think she wanted to say that's it this is the end. I don't want any more. That's it from me. Do note she qualifies it though. She only felt it was the end of the chapter when she left him, not it was the end of the chapter when I left him. It was I felt it was the end. So she doesn't, it, it really wasn't the end as we know. And really, that was the end of it. Well, when we say something was really something it, it, it kind of was but it wasn't all the way it wasn't 100 that way it just was mostly that way um, or so on so she doesn't believe that um her and ian splitting up was the end and i think she really wants this to be the end look at this section here once a woman makes up her mind that's it you've had enough She's not talking about herself there. Remember the first part uh, where she said uh, she talked about I and I've and she really, really owned it. Here she's not talking about herself. It's once a woman, so just any woman, makes up her mind. Again, any woman. You've had enough. That's not any woman. That's you. That's you that's listening. Um, and so she's talking in general terms here. She's not talking about herself. Having talked about a woman a few times and what you would be feeling, then she does say, I'd have enough of Ian, but really she is talking in general time, in general terms there um, about splitting up with Ian. In fact, she's not even talking about splitting up with Ian. She's just talking about any random woman making up her mind. She's talking in generalities. She's not being specific. More from Jules. Some people get convinced of all sorts of rubbish, and I'm not really interested in anything that doesn't affect me. It isn't about believing he did it or not. I know he was innocent. I knew he couldn't have done it. The endless attention and speculation is bound to have had an influence on his declining health. But that's all I can say. So this first part of it, some people get convinced of all sorts of rubbish and I'm not really interested in anything that doesn't affect me. You may hear that, you may read that, and you might think that Jules is saying, yeah, you know, all these losers, they all believed, uh, you know, all the stupid stories that were put out about Ian and, and you know, they believe he murdered her, but it was all rubbish. But she doesn't say that. She's in general terms. Again, some people, so who? Some people get convinced of all sorts of rubbish. What is that all sorts of rubbish? She doesn't say, she doesn't connect this all sorts of rubbish to rumors, stories, allegations about Ian at all. I'm not really interested in anything that doesn't affect me. So again, <clears throat> she doesn't say what she's not interested in. It's just anything. So once more, Jules may come across at first glance as being really specific and really strong on this, but actually it's very, very general and really some people. Who's that? Get convinced of all sorts of rubbish. What's that? You don't say. You don't actually say allegations, evidence, stories. You don't say those are rubbish. 
and I'm not interested in anything that doesn't affect me. Well, what, you know, the, the price of a cup of coffee in Korea? You know, what are you talking about there, Jules? You don't say, and when someone doesn't say, we shouldn't assume what they mean, and we shouldn't put words in their mouth. That isn't fair. We should just look at what they say, and what she says there is no uh, refu re refutation. Re I, I can't think of the word. It's no, it's nothing that says Ian didn't do this. Notice as well, she only says, I'm not really interested in anything that doesn't affect me. That means she is a bit, she, I'm not really, I'm not totally interested in it, but I do have some interest in it is what she's saying there. She says it isn't about believing he did it or not. So she's introducing first the concept that he could have done it. As uh, you know, this is, she's very open here to the fact that there's two different options. She doesn't just say, he didn't do it. He was with me all the time that this murder happened. No. She's introducing the concept that he could have done it or he couldn't have done it. So she still has in her head the at least the concept he did it, potentially the concept that he didn't do it as well. And she's telling us here, she's using manipulative language. She's telling us um, about what it, what, what it is to be. It isn't about believing he did it or not. Uh, you know, sometimes you might hear someone or you might even say it yourself, um, it isn't about the money. It's about the principle. Um, and actually, it is about the money. We're but sore about the money. Uh, when people tell us what something isn't, very often that is actually what it is. You know, it isn't about believing he did it or not. She's brought up the concept of the belief of whether he did it or not. And then she says, it isn't about that. Um, so I do think it is about believing he did it or not. And this is about her beliefs. We'll come on to more of that in a minute. I'd be interested in any comments you have on this strange use of tenses. I know he was innocent. I knew he couldn't have done it. I know, present tense, I know he was innocent. So that's past tense, was innocent. I knew, past tense, he couldn't, I think that's past tense again, have done it. Is this just getting used to the fact that Ian has died? So we'd now refer to him in the past tense. Um, is she saying, I know he was innocent once upon a time? I knew once upon a time he couldn't have done it. The tense change there is very, very interesting. There's nothing consistent about her use of no, couldn't, was, knew. Very, very interesting. Not very reliable, I think, there on the um, on the consistency of the tenses. Again, we've got that finality. That's all I can say. She, I believe, does not want to have anything more to do with this. And, you know, whatever has happened, who could blame her? She wants this to be an end to the subject because we have that repeated con uh, concept of the end, the end, that's it. That's all I can say. So she does not want to talk about this anymore. Jules continues, I know he didn't do it. He's such a messy person and there would be blood everywhere. And also he could never keep a secret. He was just one of those people who talked and talked. He would never ever have done something like that for a story or any other reason. First of all, the guy's been dead two hours very often. I mean, 99% of the time when I'm looking at things, when someone dies, people say nice things and only nice things about the person that's died, even if they hated that person, even if they didn't have much to say about that person. Uh, we have this uh, don't speak ill of the dead feeling. Um, we just don't think there's anything to be gained from putting down a dead person, but she goes for it here. Look, she has nothing good to say about Ian in this section. He was a messy person. He could never keep a secret. He was one of those people who talked and talked. I mean, that just is not a character reference at all, is it? Messy, 
couldn't keep a secret. I mean, what kind of partner would you, would you have if they couldn't keep a secret? If you couldn't trust that person never to talk about something you talked about as a, as a couple. And, and he was one of those people who talked and talked and talked. But now look at the knowing something versus believing something. She says emphatically, I know he didn't do it. But then every reason that she puts out there is a belief not knowledge. You know, I know I didn't do it. I was not in Ireland the night Sophie was murdered um, and I would have been with someone else and they could give me an alibi and so on. I know I didn't do it. I know I didn't do it. Um, she says, I know he didn't do it, but then it is all belief. He's such a messy person. There would be blood everywhere. I mean, that blows my mind. It really does. You know, like, um, she maybe she is more intimate with the crime scene, the mechanics of the crime that happened than me, but you know, would there be blood everywhere? And what do you mean by blood everywhere? As far as I believe, there was blood around the murder scene, but are you talking at home? There just wasn't blood everywhere at home. Do you think that what happened would have been so bloody there would have been blood at home or on his clothes? I don't know. What what knowledge does she have of the crime scene to be able to state that if Ian had done this murder, there would be blood everywhere? There was blood everywhere. And also, he could never keep a secret. Well, you don't know that. You only know about the secrets that you found out. He was just one of those people who talked and talked. Yeah, he did. And he confessed to the murder several times when he talked and talked and talked, Joe. So this, this is just a kind of vague belief. Now, that's why I said, she said it's not about belief, but this is about belief. Uh, whatever is going on in her head, whatever events have led her to come to this, she only has a belief um, or she wants us to think that she knows that he didn't do it, but she does. She does. She has nothing to say that backs up. I know he didn't do it. All she has to say is, I believe. Here's some reasons, and they're really they don't hang together. They don't hold much water at all. Um, the reasons I know he didn't do it, but then here's some beliefs to show what is going on. Again, she's talking in generalities. He would never ever have done something like that for a story or any other reason. It's not. He would never have killed Sophie. He would never have murdered a woman for a story or any other reason. It's he would never have done something like that. So it's again, it, this is in general terms, just he would never have done something like that for a story or any other reason. And also uh, never, ever, it's not enough just to say he didn't do this. It's never, ever, it's really laying it on thick to say that Ian Bailey would never have done this. So that's Jules talking right after uh, the death was announced, right after Ian Bailey died, really. I don't know why she spoke so soon, um, but I don't get much from her. Uh, she just repeats the similar sort of concepts that she believes that he didn't do it, but she's got no real solid evidence that he didn't do it. It's just this sort of airy fairy stuff and it's really general at times as well she wants to draw a line under the whole thing Ian Bailey time uh, and this is from a, an interview that he gave to a journalist I think the week before he died and it's really really interesting um, I said at the beginning that Ian um, sounded different to me just before Christmas he felt like it sounded like he was trapped that he was in the he knew he was in the frame for this that the cold case review seemed to be zeroing in on him and I think he was very very worried about that so what did he have to say the week before he died he said if and when I kick the bucket tell the world I did not kill Sophie Toscan Duplantier you may not believe me but that is the truth this case has destroyed my life and will probably kill me in the end. 
I don't know how long I have, but I will defend my name to my dying breath. Have you spotted the repeating concepts? I think Ian Bailey knew he was not long for this world. If I kick the bucket, it will probably kill me. I don't know how long I have, and I'll be defending my name to my dying breath. So I think Ian Bailey, however, maybe he just didn't feel well. Maybe he had a sense, um, but he think I think he knew his death was coming very, very shortly. It's high priority to him, and he's moved um, in terms of what he's talking about with this um, feeling that uh, death is upon him. He stopped trying to persuade us that he didn't kill Sophie Toscane de Plantier, and he just wants the message out there. He wants us to tell the world, or he wants the journalists to tell the world, I did not kill Sophie Toscane de Plantier. He doesn't offer anything that he normally did. Um, like, I did not know her. I had no reason to kill her. Or he doesn't offer anything like that up at all. All he wants is for the world to be told, I did not kill Sophie Toscane de Plantier. That holds as much truth as i want tell the world i am a millionaire yeah i'm not that that is how truthful that is but i'd like you to tell the world that i am a millionaire he says you may not believe me but that is the truth and once again we're into this thing of belief versus um knowledge um <clears throat> and you can see that he is focused on the fact again he wants to tell the world and he's focused on the fact that people will not believe him. And I think that's really, he, you know, he has been going for the past 20 plus years, um, nearly 30 years, um, trying to say that um, th th that he did not kill Sophie Toscan de Plante, that he is not the murderer. And very few people have bought that story. And I think that's really, he's realized that it's all been futile. That's why he wants them to tell the world. And he's, you may not believe me. He's what he leads with. It's not, he didn't say lead with the truth. That is the truth, even if you don't believe it. No, his priority, the first thing he mentions is, you may not believe me, but that is the truth. Here's one. And this, I think, is guilty knowledge. This, I think, is one of the big things it says to me, Ian Bailey may well have done this. I will defend my name to my dying breath. That means if he's going to defend his name until he dies, he knows he is never going to clear his name. And why would you know you're never going to clear your name? One of those reasons would be if you were the murderer. Because he's not, I will defend my name until I am cleared. I will defend my name until and prove that I did not do this. It's just, I'm going to keep on defending my name until my dying breath. Because even if, when I die, I know I will not be cleared. I know my name will not be defended. And I think that is one of the most damning things I've seen Ian Bailey say. If you are innocent, you will defend your name until you are cleared, not until your dying breath. The one thing I will give Ian Bailey, he talks about killing Sophie Toscan de Plantier, and he regularly refers to it as a murder or, or a killing. Quite often, people who are guilty of crimes will downplay the severity of the crimes, and Ian doesn't do that here. Uh, a word here for anyone who's not Irish or doesn't know the Irish legal system. The Gardaí is the police force there, and uh, guards are the police, um, so that's what Gardaí means in this next part. I can't believe that the Gardaí still think I did it. There are a number of other suspects out there who should be who they should be looking at. If they arrest and charge me, I will fight it all the way. I did it, he says. And again, his focus is on the fact that people think he did it. 
Um, it's, he's given up this fight to defend himself. I think he realizes his days are numbered. He's never going to come out with this amazing argument that convinces people that he didn't do it. So really, all he has to say now is, uh, people still think I do it. People don't believe me. I want everyone to believe me. Tell the world. Uh, again, right? There's nothing in here that with him saying, I didn't do it. There's nothing here saying, I am innocent. It's like, I've been trying to fool everyone for 20 plus years um, and I can't believe they still think I did it because I tried really hard and I used smart words and I used all sorts of logic. But no, I can't believe they still think I did it. I think that's what we're getting from Ian in that section there. I can't believe that the Gardaí still think I did it. An interesting one here. There are a number of other suspects out there. Now, the phrase other suspects suggests that he is sees himself as a suspect. Think about this. You want to buy a table, okay? Um, then you've got some places you could buy a table and you'd say there are some furniture stores out there. There are some furniture stores out there I can get a table from. And imagine you went to your favorite furniture store, but you didn't see a table you liked. You would say there are a number of other furniture stores out there. You've already been to one, one furniture store, and so therefore you have all the others you could still go to. So Ian here, by using other suspects, is is putting himself in with the suspects. He, he, in his natural language, he is a suspect. I get that because he was a suspect, but he would fight for ages against things like that before. But here he's saying quite emphatically, he is one of those suspects. There are a number of other suspects out there. Uh, so he's saying, yeah, I am a suspect and I'm not going to fight against that anymore. And once again, if they arrest and charge me, I will fight it all the way. Again, no sense for me. And this is all very different from what Ian was doing, um, you know, even last, mid last year. I will fight it all the way. Not if they arrest and charge me, I will prove myself innocent in court or it will be a big mistake because there is no evidence and I will be cleared um, by any jury that all this is put in front of. No if they arrest and charge me, only I will fight it all the way. Again, no evidence that he thinks there will be any success in that fight. He will just fight it all the way. And this is one last thing I found from Ian Bailey. I think this was fairly recent, um, but I don't know um, if it came from the uh, just before he died or, or if it was um, a little bit earlier than that. Ian says, everybody is making money out of Sophie's death except me. I am the guy in the firing line and taking all the heat, and I look at all these people making a fortune out of it. It is infuriating because I have, I have hardly any money and I'm living week to week just to survive. Everyone thought I was paid a fortune to participate in these programs when the truth is I hardly received a penny. It's difficult watching all these people profiting, her, profiting from her death when you are living on the breadline. I mean, the sentiment there is extremely crass. Um, he downplays this now, um, making money out of Sophie's death, profiting from her death. It was a brutal murder, Ian. It wasn't um, just a mere death. So people are maybe making money out of the story of the murder, but death, you're downplaying it there. I am the guy in the firing line and taking all the heat. Ian Bailey is explicitly saying he wants money for being a suspect. He wants money for being a suspect in the murder of a woman. Ian Bailey, one of the reasons you're a suspect is the violence you have perpetrated upon other women. And you want money for that. You want paying for that because you're the guy in the firing line taking all the heat. And that is just a sick sentiment. And again, he's not saying, 
his argument isn't, I didn't do anything. I am innocent. People are making a fortune out of this, making a fortune out of my story, um, and I am innocent. And that's really unfair that I've got to bear all this burden and they're all getting rich and I'm not. But that's not what he's saying. He's, it's almost like, look how brave I am. I'm the guy in the firing line taking all the heat like he's some bloody jet fighter pilot or something like that. Uh, I don't like it. Um, he does mention that he's doing this uh, just just to survive. So I think, again, another hint that he knew that death was um, around the corner and he was merely just surviving. And then one other thing, I think he is jealous um, because the... I look at all these people and I'm watching all these people. So I think there's an element of jealousy there that the eyes are on these people and they're making the money. And it's a different set of eyes that are in on him at all. Just a horrible, horrible sentiment. I was not in any way sympathetic uh, when Ian Bailey passed away. So that is Ian Bailey. Uh, let's see if we've got some comments. If you've got any comments in the chat, then get them in now before I share my conclusions with you. We've got one here. Is that why he took the papers to court, where if he won, he could have won 250K? Is that why he went to court when he could have won millions? Um, uh, for sure. I mean, I think um, he liked being, and this is nothing, well, it's to do with the words, because I think he was jealous watching and looking at those people. Um, I think he. Uh, it's no surprise that he liked being in the limelight as well. Um, so I think that when he talks about watching people and looking at people, I think he sees the limelight on other people and he'd like that limelight on himself. But yeah, I'm sure he would have liked some money. Maybe just doing an honest job instead of writing crappy poetry might have been something that, that he could look at. Uh, and your other comment, is that why he put his face on T-shirts? Yeah, I would think that's why he put his face on T-shirts. If you have anything else to say, now is the time to get it into the chat and we can deal with that before we wrap up. In conclusion... We looked at Jules Thomas's words. She isn't being fully open. We can see things hidden inside what she's saying, uh, especially when she says, I know he was innocent, but then the really she just displays belief that um, there was innocence there. And she isn't keen to talk more. I'm not sure how much more we'll hear from her. Maybe she can't help herself, um, but I get the impression she's not quite as fond of the limelight as Ian Bailey was. I think she quite liked that. Ian's gone for her relevance to end. Um, and then, oh, we've got a question on on Jules here, so I'll come to that as I'm concluding on Jules. Did Jules have a tendency to insert herself in the story like Ian did, asks Helen. Uh, great question. Um, I, I I don't know is the honest answer, Helen. I, I, I kind of look at the words and statements. I do watch documentaries and um, read some of the, the write-ups and so on. Um, I do think Jules does talk when she doesn't have to. I think she could have faded away, not been part of documentaries. Um, and, um, you know, she didn't need to do any of these things. Um, uh, there's an answer here for you, Helen. Jules didn't like it that Ian got all the attention. That would be very interesting. Yeah, I, you know, she does talk when she doesn't need to. And I said before, when I heard Jules talk, um, casually watching her on documentaries, I thought, you know, she's really quite strong and strident in her views. But um, then when I actually analysed her words, she was there was a lot of deception in there. Um, Riza Miller, Ian seemed like a malignant narcissist to me. What personality type is Jules? Well, there's a question I'm in no way qualified to answer. But um, if you do have any thoughts or qualifications on that, then share them in the chat while I go through Ian. Um, 
when Ian's talking there, I mean, that was a very different Ian in that last, the week before he died than I've seen in anything else. The sort of bravado had gone, um, the I'm innocent and this is a false narrative. None of that was there. What he was saying really was, um, you know, um, I want the world to know that I'm innocent, but I don't have anything in uh, there. Um, so his guilty knowledge seeps out. I think um, I'll be fighting until my dying breath, and um, I will fight it, uh, but but no innocence there. And Ian knew that his time was up. Um, I think that um, he really did uh, feel that he was he was dying soon. Question here from Memory Warrior. Why don't you do body language analysis of witness Marie Farrell, who first gave evidence of Bailey being close to the scene and then retracted and apologized to uh, Bailey? Uh, memory, thank you. Podcast.neveratruerword.com. Uh, Marie Farrell has all her own episode of that where I look at many, many of her statements. Ultimately, um, I personally um, don't believe very much that Marie says she her, her stories of seeing Ian uh, near Sophie's on the night didn't ring true to me at all. Um, her story of seeing um, someone following, was it Ian following Sophie up the road? I didn't really believe that story as well. It was, uh, it just wasn't believable. Um, I do actually, and this is where, you know, I'm, I'm only being honest here. Um, I'm only calling it as I see it. I do think some of her stories about being pressured to say certain things by the police force in Ireland, they were some of the most credible things that I heard. Um, her stories of being sort of um, intimidated by Ian Bailey and so on, I was a bit 50-50 on them. But genuinely, and I'm not, <laughs> thank you very much for the opportunity to plug Memory Warrior, Word. Dot com. Uh, you'll find the words of West Cork podcast where I dive deep into the words of Ian Bailey over the years, Jules Thomas over the years, uh, some of the witnesses and some of the people who saw Ian Bailey confess or saw the scars in his hands um, and the, the burning clothes as well. Um, a really, really interesting uh, deep dive. If I say so myself, and you will check it out, Memory Warrior. Yes, thank you very much for that. So that is it. Jules Thomas isn't being fully open. I'm not sure how much more we'll hear from her, but certain people there think that Jules does have an appetite for fame, so we might hear more from Jules. Um, and Ian's guilty knowledge seeps out. I will fight it until I die, I think, says that he did it. So that is Ian Bailey's final interview and Jules Thomas talking about his death. Remember, take something away from this. When you're watching someone's words, are they being general uh, and rather than specific? Are they talking about what it is that you want them to talk about or are they just talking about life in general? Watch for the truth looking out and what people say and what people repeat, the concepts or phrases that people repeat. They really do give away the priorities in their heads or point the way to deception as well. If you've got any more comments, then put them in the comments on this video. Please share this with anyone you think would be interested in it. And the like button goes a long way. Uh, one last comment. Apparently, Jill says she's writing a book on her 25 years. It would take me more than 25 years to analyze all the stuff in that book. I would not look forward to reading that at all. Anyway, the like button or the follow button or the subscribe button means that you will get yourself more content like this and spread the word as well. And if you want to listen to more, if you want to sign up to the newsletter, watch more videos, or even read more, then why not go to neverattruerword.com and we'll see you again soon on Never A Truer Word. Thank you.